What's going on, man? Welcome back to the channel. I'm Ron, aka Smooth As Butter, aka Greatest to Ever Do It. And today we're going to get into our buyer beware running backs. These are running backs that are injury prone, going at a discount, like those third to fifth round, that, that range, like the third to fifth. And you're getting them at a discount because of their red flags, their injury histories. And if you can maneuver that landmine riddled like field, you can really get value in these drafts because you're going to get an RB1 in the third, fourth, fifth round. Make sure you go down below, subscribe. We're at, well, I think 45 subscribers right now. Be that 46, 47, 48th. I'm really trying to get to 50. I think 50 is a great number to hit. I got some running backs to get into. So before I waste any more of your time. It, needs, it just needs that, uh, that, uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's go. First running back we have on this list today is Melvin Gordon. He's going up the board in the fourth round. Let me say that one more time. He's going up the board in the fourth round as the RB18. That's crazy to me because if you look back just past last year when you had the, the contract negotiation bullshit going on, Le'Veon Bell, am I going to stay? Am I going to leave? Type of stuff going on. He was a locked and loaded RB1. He was a top 12 running back in ADP, and he was finishing there consistently. So last year, we can forgive that. And this year, his fourth round ADP, I think it's a combination of two things that are hurting his value. I think it's his injury history, and it's the fact that he's on the Broncos now. So let's take a look at his injury history. He missed nine out of his first 64 games with the LA Chargers, or the then maybe San Diego Chargers. But I think that you make a case that right now in 2020, Melvin Gordon is the healthiest he's ever been. He sat out four games for the Chargers last year, and then he came back and Austin Eckler was a stud. Austin Eckler was taking a lot of that workload, a lot of that, that opportunity share, the snap share. He was taking a lot of opportunities from Melvin Gordon, and what that did was that let Melvin Gordon get healthy. If you go on the player profile, you look at his injury history, he hasn't been hurt since week 12 of 2018 when he suffered an MCL sprain. He had a bunch of hamstring strains, knee strains, foot strains, or foot sprains before that. He was injury prone during that time, but I think now he's healthy. He hasn't been hurt in over a year now. And player profiler agrees with me. He's now the 14th most likely running back to miss time in 2020, but only the 33rd most fragile. The fragility rating factors in his workload and his on the field stuff. But in terms of just running back in a vacuum, he's the 33rd most likely to get hurt. So I think the label of Melvin Gordon being an injury prone running back needs to be erased. So let's look at the next biggest problem with drafting him at his ADP. And that's that he walks into a pretty rough situation in Denver with only 25 vacated carries between Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman. Well, I know this is a, a big risk. You know, you, you want to see your running back go in and be a workhorse from day one, a bell cow. Gordon, he's used to a crowded backfield. Last year with Austin Eckler, he was the RB17 in points per game with only a 54% opportunity share. So if it is a truly split backfield, you're getting him at his ADP. He was the RB17 last year. You're getting him at the RB18. You're getting that's his floor. If he splits time completely with Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman at a 54.7% opportunity share, then fine. You're getting him at his floor. But I think why he has the chance to outshoot that ADP is because Philip Lindsay saw over 200 carries last year. If you saw Philip Lindsay out on the, if you bumped into Philip Lindsay at Starbucks, you would have no fucking clue. He's 5'7, 184 pounds, and he had 200 carries between the tackles in the NFL. I know for sure that John Elway's ass is not in the front office room talking to the coaches saying, yeah, 
I want Philip Lindsay to be our workhorse, the guy between the tackles to take all those carries. So obviously he brings in Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon is going to absorb a lot of those carries. And Philip Lindsay is going to be used in his actual role as a satellite back. That's what Philip Lindsay is meant to do at that size. That's a skill set. Now Royce Freeman probably becomes a change of pace back. There's even a chance that he gets cut or traded. And I think that if this is how the backfield goes, if you see Philip Lindsay as a primary, as only a satellite back, and you see Melvin Gordon as a between-the-tackles guy with some receiving duties, I would honestly argue that Gordon comes into a better situation in Denver. He comes into a spot where the Chargers had the 29th best offensive line, according to PFF, last year, and the Broncos come into this season with the 14th best offensive line. You know they're going to want to run the ball there, and Gordon's finally going to have running lanes. And the, the Chargers have had a shitty offensive line for as long as I can remember. And now in Denver, he's going to actually have running lanes. We're going to see what a Melvin Gordon looks like with wide running lanes. And I'm excited for that. I love Melvin Gordon as ADP. And I think a lot of people are looking at these risks. But at his price, you can overlook it. And if he gets upwards of a 70% opportunity share, he's going to be a league winner. This is, you have to remember, this is Melvin Gordon. This isn't just, this is Melvin Gordon. I, I don't understand why we're sleeping on him so much. He just finished as the RB4, RB7, and RB5 in the previous three seasons prior to the one where he held out. He's a stud. Don't overthink it. I love him at his ADP. Next up on this list, we have James Conner. He's also going off the board in the fourth round as the RB20. And let's zoom out and look at what he's accomplished since he took over that role from Le'Veon Bell. He was the RB8 in points per game in 2018. And last year, although a lot of people don't remember, he did pretty well back then too. In 0.5 PPR points, he was the RB10 in points per game through the first six weeks. So why is he going at the RB20? Let's look at the injuries that he sustained in 2019. He had five separate injuries, all keeping him out for a combined six games. He had a quadricep contusion. He had an AC joint sprain, quadricep strain, ankle sprain, knee sprain. He was a broken man in 2019. He, They were sending him out in bubble wrap and duct tape. And they were just, hey man, make it work. Figure it out, son. Now, the problem with that, I wish that he would have just stayed out towards the end of the season, but they, they forced him to play, or he, they didn't force him to play. James Conner is probably the type of guy who's going to force the coach, coach, you got to put me in, you got to put me in. And I respect that. James, if you're watching this, I mean, no slander on your name, big fella. But next year, player profiler has him as a 65% injury probability, first most likely to miss a game. There, That means there's only a 35% chance he missed it 16 games without a slip up. So on top of him being injury prone, they add Anthony McFarland in the third round. And there's reports coming out that Mike Tomlin likes Benny Snell. I think Benny Snell's kind of a bum. And he's one of those slow plotting running backs, kind of like James Conner. But the reason why this is different is because Mike Tomlin has this rare thing where he forces the ball to his RB1. And we've seen that time and time again. We saw with D'Angelo Williams, a 30-something-year-old D'Angelo Williams while Le'Veon Bell was out. We saw that with, uh, what's his name? We saw that with Rashard Mendenhall, Le'Veon Bell. We saw it with all those guys. Mike Tomlin feeds his RB1, and I want whoever that R the RB1 on that offense is. James Conner comes into the final year of his rookie deal, and I got to believe that they're going to run James Conner into the ground. They get Ben Roethlisberger this year, and they have the ninth best offensive line according to PFF. Remember, they didn't have Ben Roethlisberger pass, I think it was game one or two last year, and James Conner still was the RB10 through six games. So as long as James Conner stays healthy, he's a fringe top 12 running back. I personally have him at RB18. His ADP was RB20. So I'm slightly higher than consensus on him, kind of lukewarm. You have to factor in that injury probability, that injury history that he has. So it's always tough to push the button on James Conner, but it feels like you're getting almost like a six, seven, eight game rental of an RB1 until he inevitably gets hurt. 
But if he makes it through that first, he, if he makes it a whole 16 games, he's an RB1 to me. So draft him with caution. Now, the last name we have on this list is Chris Carson. He's going off the board at the 310 as the RB16. And last year, Chris Carson had a great season rushing. He rushed for 1,230 rushing yards on 278 attempts, and he hit career highs in all of his receiving stats. That was his receptions, his receiving yards, and his receiving touchdowns. And he topped 1,000 rushing yards for the second straight season in a row, even though he missed his last two games due to injuries. So that's always great to see from a guy who was an undrafted free agent out of Oklahoma State. You have to have that consistency to really get that trust going with your front office, with your GM, with your coach, because they could just cut him on a whim. They could just... Chris Carson could just sneeze the wrong way and they could cut him and it wouldn't even be a fucking big deal. Chris Carson, he's only in line to make, I think, like $2 million this year and then he's a free agent next year. So establishing that trust is huge. And I think he did that. He finishes the RB10 through week 15 last year. Now, obviously, we both know, me and you, we both know that the front office, the GM, doesn't give a fuck about where Chris Carson's finishing in fantasy. But I think it's fair to say that they, they correlate the on-field success and the fantasy points per game. So obviously, he earned his role back and they expect him to start in week one. But the biggest question mark for fantasy gamers like us, it's what is his outlook in 2020? And it's not looking great because he's been hurt every single year since 2017. And the most recent one was a major injury. It was a hip fracture to the side. And that's why he sat out those last two games and why he couldn't play in the playoffs and why Pete Carroll had to call up Marshawn Lynch off the streets of Oakland to come in there and run the football one last time because they're thin at running back. And it's not looking much better for 2020. Player profiler has him as the sixth most likely running back to miss time in 2020. And he has a 59.4% chance of missing a game in 2020. So that's only a 40% chance he makes it 16 games without getting hurt. So it's a bit of a gamble, but you're getting him at a discount and you're getting him at a nice price for what he does running the ball on the field. Now when you look at his metrics on player profiler. He was the RB10 in points per game last year, and he ranked top 10 in opportunity share, carries, and snap share. So they're feeding him the ball there in Seattle. And he finished top 10 in rushing yards, total touchdowns, all while missing two games. So he's getting carries, he's getting looks, he's getting the majority of the opportunity share, and he's doing well with it. He's finishing at good numbers on rushing yards, total touchdowns. Between the tackles, Chris Carson had stats of like a top 15 back. And now, aside from his injuries, one of his other biggest question marks is his receiving upside. He didn't do that well in receiving stats. While he did get career highs, he only had, I think it was 37 receptions, so it wasn't anything crazy, but that's fine in the context of the Seattle Seahawks offense. They were number three in team run plays last year and number six in run to pass ratio. So there's going to be plenty of volume between the tackles and Chris Carson's going to get the lion's share of that. So he doesn't need to get the dump offs or the big wheel routes or anything like that because they're going to give him work on the goal line between the tackles, all of that. He's going to be their, their main primary rusher. And at his draft price, he feels like a discount Josh Jacobs. They're both in very similar situations. Chris Carson just isn't as good as a runner and he has the injury problem. So me personally, I'm not... I think that his injury history is a bit of a gamble at his price. I have him at the RB19, but anywhere past that third round, if I can get him anywhere in that fourth round, I love that price. But in the third round, is the RB16 just a little bit too expensive for me. All right, man, if you made it this far, I appreciate it. Make sure you go down below and subscribe. I'm really trying to grow this channel. I want to do some big things in the future. Number one on that list, trying to have Lisa Ann in a video sometime soon. I need to get her on. I need to have an interview with her. We'll talk some fantasy football. We'll talk some scenes.